From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, Jr. both houses of the Republican-controlled state legislature have approved an $87 billion spending plan for the next two years. Now it heads to Democratic Governor Tony Evers. The plan includes a $3 billion income and property tax cut made possible by a projected $4 billion surplus, but it only funds education by 10% of what Evers had wanted. A handful of Democrats in both the Assembly and State Senate crossed over and voted with Republicans to approve the plan, including Senate Minority Leader Janet Bewley of rural Wisconsin. Are you surprised that there were crossover votes from Dems? No, we kind of had an inclination going in that there would be some Democratic votes, and part of the reason why is people generally think the governor's going to sign this budget. Now, back up two years, um, Governor Evers had complained about the budget Republicans were sending to him, had raised all kinds of issues with it, and every Democrat in the legislature voted against it. Well, he ended up signing it. Granted, he took his partial veto authority and reworked some things, put some more money toward education and stuff like that, but he still signed the budget. It put Democrats in the awkward position of standing by the governor and praising a budget he was signing they'd all voted against. Going to this budget and the debate, one of the questions was, okay, is the governor going to sign what they send him? And two, if he is, is he going to give lawmakers a heads up and that they're going to, maybe some Democrats in swing districts, vote for it. Um, so they can say, yeah, they voted for the budget their governor signed. And lo and behold, some of them did. And if you look at him, you know, Steve Dorff, Alaska, he's in a seat that Donald Trump won last fall. Uh, Beth Myers up in Northern Wisconsin, she's in a seat Donald Trump won. Over in the Senate, Janet Bewley, again from Northern Wisconsin, Trump won her seat. Jeff Smith, the Eau Claire area, Trump won his seat. Now, we're going to see new lines these districts by next fall when those four are up for re-election, but they are in swing seats. And it's, you know, sometimes smart politics to pay attention to a swingy district. And now what are the next steps? Is there a time frame or deadline for Governor Evers to approve or reject the document? Technically, it's six days, not counting Sunday, but it's basically a week that he gets to act on the budget. And, you know, in that time, he's going to go through and figure out, okay, what's in there that he could use as partial veto pen to make it different. You know, they went through during the budget debate and added an amendment that took out words like may not and changed it to cannot. Now, I know that sounds really small, but may not is two words. Cannot is one. By making it one word and not two, the governor can't strike out one of those two words and may not and change the meaning, right? They're basically probably looking for ways to make this thing as airtight as possible, give as few avenues to use a partial veto pen as possible, and make it look like the budget they passed, not the one that he wants to to sign. What do you think Governor Evers will do? All signs point to him signing the budget uh, with you know some partial vetoes in there wherever he can squeeze them in to make it his liking. I mean, there's a reason why those Democrats voted for the budget. They think he's going to sign it. They see it as something that they, you know, it's easy to go back home and say, look, I, I, I voted for $3.4 billion in property tax relief. And oh, by the way, this budget was an important vehicle to make sure that schools qualify for $2.3 billion in federal funding because there's a requirement in uh, federal law in the last two COVID-19 packages that to qualify for all that federal money, you have to do what's called maintenance of effort, which means you have to maintain your current spending level on K-12 education and higher ed to qualify K-12 money. Now, it's not 
maintain the same dollar amount. It's your proportion of spending going to those two things. At one point, the governor was saying that there was a, a chance he would veto the budget because Republicans were falling short of that maintenance of effort. Once they crossed that threshold, they could now say, look, we qualified the state for that federal money. If the governor vetoes the entire budget, then it's on him if Wisconsin were to fall short. Also last week, Governor Evers signed an amended compact with the Oneida Nation for sports betting to occur at the tribe's casino in Green Bay and at other tribal facilities. If the Federal Bureau of Indian Affairs approves, the agreement would authorize sports betting for the first time in Wisconsin. Extra revenue that sports betting would bring in for the Oneida would mean extra revenue for Wisconsin. Do you think this will open the door for other tribes to seek amended compacts to allow sports betting? There's a, a clause in a lot of the compacts. People call it a Me Too clause, for lack of a better word, which means that if another tribe gets a game or an option, the others could then go, hey, we'd like to do that too. Now, the question is with sports books, I mean, there's sometimes not a huge margin with sports books. I mean, we've all seen, you know, stories out of Las Vegas where some huge underdog uh, beat the odds and there's a huge payout on people who made smart bets on that underdog. Um, that's a risk you take if you run a sports book. So for some of the smaller tribes, it may not be worth the risk to offer those bets because you could take a bath on them. But for the larger tribes, you could probably bet that because you nine and a half it, that eventually you'll see the Potawatomi and the Ho-Chunk and uh, start to offer it or move toward it. I don't know when they'll get there. The Ho-Chunk, uh, the Oneida, I'm sorry, were a little more aggressive trying to push this angle, but you can bet eventually you're going to have more than one option for a sports book in Wisconsin. Now, what kind of impact, if any, might this have on Evers' re-election bid next year? Uh, might there be pushback from anti-gambling interests? Maybe, but it was really interesting. If you go back you know, a, little more, uh, a little more than 15 years ago, almost 20 years ago, then Governor Ever, or sorry, Governor Doyle signed... Uh, expansive new compacts with tribes that allow them to offer Las Vegas-style games. You know, craps and roulette, they weren't allowed before that. It resulted in a lawsuit. Um, Republican lawmakers took Doyle to court. They won the state Supreme Court, but by that time, the federal government already signed off the compacts, and so the Supreme Court ruling basically didn't impact what the tribes could offer. You probably heard a peep about this new deal this week. Maybe it's because it's, you know, it's not that much of an expansion, um, but it's just a, it's a, a sign probably that how much how ingrained gambling is to Wisconsin's kind of economy and culture and that people just aren't as up in arms about as they were, you know, 20 years ago. And finally, about a half dozen Republicans in Wisconsin recently said they are thinking of running for lieutenant governor next year. At least one potential hopeful is a Republican state lawmaker. My question is, why do so many people want to be lieutenant governor is this another sign that the GOP is possibly clearing the field for former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish to run for governor next year? There's still a number of people who, you know, talked about running for governor. As we've talked before, you know, Clayfish is the one doing the most right now to position herself to run. Now, you know, there's others like Kevin Nicholson who are doing things infrastructure-wise to run statewide, but we think his heart's more really in running for U.S. Senate. Uh, Bill McCoshin, a lobbyist, he's trying to build a foundation for it. But, you know, nobody's clearing the field for Clayfish. If if anything, it's going to be that she get, does get little or no opposition. It'd be because she cleared it on her own. For lieutenant governor, though, I mean, it's, possible, it's a springboard. You know, Clayfish was lieutenant governor for eight years. 
that's the foundation for her run for governor. Uh, Mandela Barnes. Don't forget, you know, Mandela Barnes challenged Lena Taylor in a primary for her Democratic state Senate seat in 2016 and lost badly. Two years later, he was lieutenant governor. He's not looking at this as a springboard potentially running for U.S. Senate. Now, he hasn't gotten in yet, but there's an expectation he will at some point, a growing expectation. It's a chance to kind of burnish your credentials and win a statewide race and, and you know, look at running for something else. So there, there's an interest there of, like, it could be a stepping stone to something else and eventually running for governor someday. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.